I mean, you guys heard me talk about it last season too. Like Robertson over Trent for sure, but also Robertson over any wing back for me because he's got the work ethic and he just loves the game. And he just reminds me, at least personally, of myself. Like in the last game, someone I mean, who were they playing? Aston Villa. Like someone pushed him a little bit, dude. And Robertson is ready to throw paws. He's about to toss paws on this guy. And I was like, that's my boy, dude. I will definitely toss paws with Robertson if we were about to scrap. So also his style of play or more just his willingness to fight reminds you? Oh, they're one and the same. They're one and the same. Welcome to Footy Fellas. Welcome, welcome to Footy Fellas. Welcome to Footy Fellas, coming at you from Chicago and Minnesota. We're going to be talking soccer, talking life, playing games, playing mind games. we got a little something for you. If you haven't yet, throw us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at Footy Fellas Pod, F-O-O-T-Y, and subscribe on YouTube to Footy Fellas Pod. This episode is sponsored by Checkmate. Mm. And we're well into 2021 at this point. It's been a pretty crazy year so far already. With everything in the real world being this crazy, I figured we could start off by focusing on the less crazy in the soccer world, which is yet another American making moves. Mr. 19-year-old Matthew Hoppy, I think I'm saying that right, for Schalke in the Bundesliga, scoring a hat trick and leading them to their first win after 30 straight games. Hats off to him. Fantastic. Love to see it, especially for a young American doing work on the uh, international stage. You know, back to Schalke, though, I'm shocked that they've had such a bad run. I remember watching one of my favorite Champions League matches, second leg, Schalke versus Real Madrid. Schalke won the game 4-1 to one against Real Madrid. Ended up, I think it was the tied the, uh, you know, for the, the two legs, tied at 4-4, but Real Madrid won on away goals or something. But so it's disappointing to hear Schalke, who has this sacred place in my mind for this game, having such a bad run. I feel for them. So good. Hats off to this American boy for uh, hopefully sparking the flame for the squad. 100%. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. I just had to look it up. It's a good memory. I see it was like 2014, 15, right around there. It wasn't yeah. that many years ago that, that Schalke was competing in the... <laughs> Champions League. Yeah, I was studying abroad in Spain at the moment, and I was watching with my host family in their living room. You know, host dad next to me, lifelong Real Madrid fan. I hated Real. I hate Real Madrid. So I'm cheering when Schalke scores. He's grum like grumbling in the corner. I think he wanted to rip my head off for sure. I'm surprised I didn't get kicked out of that house, but uh, we made it. I was gonna say, how did the how did that relationship go? People are such diehard soccer fans that I feel like that would have caused a real rift between you and your host family. Look, like, did they ever? Did you ever feel sick after one of your dinners that they made you and they kind of winked at you or you know my, shot you a, a smile? <laughs> my host Hello. mom Paloma was a saint. Uh, they were both in their eighties. If my host dad wasn't eighty six, he would have tossed me off the balcony for sure. But uh, I think due to his, his old age, he he laid off a bit. Um, so I, I definitely got lucky there and survived my stay. I love the dynamics between people and their host families because, one, it's so nice of, of families to just host you in their home for basically nothing, just the experience of 
living with you and and for the most part or in most cases i'd say they're providing dinner and obviously company and will help you see your way around and get around the city and all that kind of stuff um and but it can be so hit or miss for the student that's staying there whether you get along with them or if there's different rules than you than you're used to based on the country you're staying in with what's whether you can bring friends over i remember i heard early on that oh that isn't a thing people do in spain friends don't hang out at other friends' houses. You always go to cafes or you go to other places. And that was one thing that kind of turned me off from possibly studying there was so the only way to hang out with people is to go out and do stuff all the time. Like you can never just kind of hang out at someone's house. So I I found that kind of interesting. Yep, that's a fact. I could not have people over at my house. Which was was At least not other Shulk fans. Oh, for sure not. Then it would have been the last straw. I think uh, (laughs) my host dad was... uh, fought in in, in uh, the in world war ii or something so yeah i wouldn't want to test anymore wouldn't want to push his buttons anymore so uh yeah all jokes aside uh yeah no i think that that's kind of a nice little rule though in spain at least if you're studying abroad it forces you to get out and, and explore the town a little bit more which you know overall is probably pretty good pretty nice they have a lot of green space in madrid especially so you could hang out at the park which is beautiful low-key just as nice Love that. All jokes aside, if Paloma is listening, what's one message you want to send her and the family, I see? I hope you're doing well. And I know they were planning on moving. I hope they I hope they downsized like they wanted to. And uh, yeah, I hope, they're, I hope they're staying healthy and staying safe over in the capital of Spain, Madrid. Very nice. And in Spanish, please? <laughs> no hablo espanol. <laughs> Spanish has devolved since 2014. You went the entire time not speaking Spanish? That's why they hated me. <laughs> <laughs> Jones, what's your your thoughts on Schalke and their legendary, in a in an infamous way, their run? It's uh, it's it's alarming. Um, I think a positive spin from it, selfishly, is that McKinney got out and is uh, doing better things with, without the team. Conversely, you, maybe you argue he is just that good that he was single-handedly keeping Schalke up uh, and competing uh, last year. Ultimately, it's exciting to see an American talent coming out of nowhere and scoring goals, and literally out of nowhere, guys. He had zero goals in Bundesliga 2 coming into this into this league, into this game, and he's never been called up for the, the under-20 national team before. So he's legitimately out of nowhere making an impact, and... Uh, on one hand, it tempers how excited I am about him. But on the other hand, it's encouraging to see that we have that much depth and talent that they could pop up legitimately, seemingly out of nowhere, um, and that we don't have to have this massive resume for an American to pop up in a random game. It shows how ubiquitous the the American talent can be now. McKinney was hyped. It, it is pretty crazy. They can just, they, Americans abroad, can just pop up out of nowhere. It's very exciting. And McKinney was excited for his fellow American and fellow, uh, or previous team, Schalke, finally, finally breaking their, their streak. Have either of you had a notably bad losing streak in your career, whether it was soccer or something else, some other sport or area of life that was like, wow, when is this going to end? There was a, um, I think, senior year college at Wesleyan. We had started the season off very well, um, dominating many of our games, scoring a ton of goals, which was a little uncommon in D3. And then we just had this one 
turning point. Poor, poor substitutions, um, bad game management against like Middlebury, where we were up one zero, and then we lost two to one, and then we went on the streak where we just were playing teams that we were competing in, but we just couldn't get the goals in, and we lost back to back to back, and then we lost to like Williams. Am- Amherst was a blowout, so it doesn't really count. Then lost to like um, um, two other uh, Trinity, like you know games that you just didn't doesn't matter the people listening point is we went on a streak where we lost like five or six straight games and plummeted from being second in in the nezcac to like seventh or eighth almost not making the playoffs um and that was the first time i've really been on a team that had been on such a bad streak and seeing what that did to the team's culture was crazy practices were a drag it was legitimately hard to go to a practice knowing like just how bad things were going. Um, so it's a tough place. It's a tough place. And for them to pull out a result like that, it, it's one thing for him to get a hat trick, but for them to break that curse must be an immense weight off their back and it must make that locker room feel completely different. They also talk about it on in other professional sports. You hear it in basketball. You hear it everywhere because it's true. It just changes the culture. Winning changes the culture. Even if the team culture isn't good, if you're winning – everything's fine. You get the great duos, Kobe and Shaq, and people that don't get along and coaches that aren't great. But if you're winning, everything's fine. Once you start losing and you start losing at that rate of basically every game for months and months and months, 30, 30 games in the Bundesliga or even five games in the NESCAC because the schedule is spread out. It's like a month and a half where it's just on your mind and all the other flaws and things that can come out kind of do. And so you, you see that the true character of the team, the true grit of the team it's uh it's funny to uh think and make a comparison to like football but a um american football that is when you hear coaches talking about what it's like in a locker room after you lose a game um how you can't go out two or three days later and rectify that feeling where whereas in soccer you have games potentially every three days or so right in football you have to wait an entire week before you have another chance to prove yourself again to right the wrong. So when you have um, all of those games, especially in an NFL season, and you're having to delay that gratification for so long, that's another kind of psychological battle battle like that, um, that you have to slowly churn through and manage. Well, aside from shock, what else is going on in the world of soccer, Jones? Oh, great question. Uh, Let me catch you up on what happened last week today tony hit it tony uh reminder gents there are two transfer windows in a given year one over the summer and one in january summer's a little longer and meant for team rebuilding more thoughtful um changes in winter is a little bit more of a panic session where if you have troublemakers you need to get out or you need a an immediate uh refill uh this is your time window to do it I want to catch you up on a couple big-ish transfers that have taken place thus far. Um, Arsenal has loaned out Saeed Kalasinac as well as William Saliba, or Saliba, both of which are defenders on their team that uh, were thought to be impact players but have somewhat fallen off. Man United brought in their 18-year-old uh, wunderkid, uh, Ahmad Diallo from Atalanta, for a fee up to 40 million, well, pounds. Um, exciting prospect, but the question that everyone's asking, is it really going to pan out? Is it worth it? We'll find out. West Ham sent Sebastian Allaire to Ajax 
Uh, West Ham had originally signed him for up to 45 million pounds as well. So an interesting uh, fall from grace for Allaire, who doesn't seem to find his way into Moyes's uh, lineup. Wolves have loaned out Ruben Vinagre. Now, if you're a FIFA 20 player like uh, Eli and I are, Ruben is a, um, a solid to exciting prospect. Um, seeing him leave and not being able to make the Wolves lineup is an interesting turn in his tail. Uh, a couple quick ones here. Dominic Sobislai, a, Hungary, a Hungarian star boy who's been killing it with FC Salzburg. He is uh, transferred over to uh, Leipzig in the Red Bull uh, pipeline. And then uh, Brendan Aronson, talking about uh, the uh, Red Bull pipeline. Not really a, a pipeline per se in Philadelphia, but he had made his name and his breakout season with the Philadelphia Union is now playing uh, in FC Salzburg's uh, lineup. Um, and then MNUFC, let's talk about Minnesota FC. They've been making some moves too, this uh, this transfer window. Kevin Molino, who had nine goals and 18 appearances, is transferred over to the Columbus Crew, reigning champs. And uh, in turn though, they were managed to pick up Will Trapp uh, as a free agent in the off season. Um, and then if we're looking just around the world, what else is going on? AC Milan is starting to pull away uh, in Serie A with Inter somewhat staying on pace. But but really, I think the, the interesting piece is that Juve is is 10 points back. They have two games in hand, so they, they could potentially lessen that deficit, but it's not looking promising. In the Bundesliga, Bayern and RB Leipzig, both one and two respectively, lost their games, helping close the gap uh, from first to fourth with five points. Uh, being separating those those top to, to bottom. Uh, Schalke, you nodded to the American hero, Hopi, providing some American Hopi, or hope if you will, Hoppy, uh, scoring his goals, highlighting uh, that American dominance. And then WSL, Women's Super League, Man United sits atop the table uh, where they rightfully belong uh, with Chelsea Hobb and their tails only behind by three points with a game in hand, which makes uh, uh, their game next Sunday, an interesting one. That wraps up what is going on in the world of soccer today. Wonderful. Thank you, Jones. I am shocked. I took some notes as you were as you were giving us the rundown. And Ayer Allaire? How do you pronounce the West Ham guy's name? I'd go Allaire, Sebastian Allaire. Allaire. Shocked to hear this departure. He had a fantastic bicycle kick goal the other day and I thought it really showed kind of his ingenuity, his his creativeness and, and athleticism and, and scoring in the box. Uh, so I thought he was quite talented. Now that's just one game, one moment. Maybe he's been a letdown for the season, but uh, it, that 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 shocks me for sure. Also, Vinagra. Sorry, quick, yeah, Vinagra on Wolves. He was getting a lot of hype uh, mid couple few game weeks ago. Is you know especially for fantasy reasons, low cost defender coming in the Wolves. Pretty quick uh, fall from grace. There's so many financial ramifications for these clubs that we don't know. Where sometimes it re- that we know from speaking to fans who are frustrated with management, or you read and hear stories about good and bad management and what their intentions are. Sometimes it's literally management just wants to make some money back, or they decide they have a different approach. Different things matter to them at that point in time, and so they're selling players who, for the good of the team and success of that season or even the future might not be the right move, but they're just doing it from a financial perspective, which can be frustrating for for fans. I don't know if Allaire, that's the situation with West Ham, but also another exciting transfer for 
an MLS player moving abroad, Mark McKenzie mm. on the Philadelphia Union, a defender who's been really good the last couple of years and rose up through their youth academy and youth systems, uh, got transferred to Genk mm. uh, in Belgium, I believe. Mm-hmm. So exciting. A lot of MLS players playing abroad. Now we'll see how Aronson and him as, as former Philadelphia Union prospects do abroad. And theoretically, the Union should now crumble. So don't put money on them doing anything next year. <laughs> Based on those two moves, yeah, we'll see if they bring anyone in or just just try to use their their youth system to replace that action. We're going to be talking FA Cup in a second, the tournament that all of us love, and it pits different sides completely against each other from the top all the way to the bottom of the English football pyramid. We're going to be talking the history of the Cup, some exciting stats you might not know, and fun ways to think about the Cup, and then discussing the important questions. Like, should they even be doing it this year because it's messing with the schedule? And what does it mean to the players? And what do we think about the FA Cup? Want to know what you think about the FA Cup? So start thinking. We're going to head to our sponsor break, and we'll be right back with some FA Cup action. Knight to F6. Queen to G7. You've probably heard a lot of chess lingo recently, as it's taken off in popularity this year. After watching the Queen's Gambit, millions have flocked to play chess online, making new accounts and following streamers that also happen to be chess grandmasters. But now, this historic game that's been around since the 6th century AD is changed forever. With Checkmate, the British starter kit that's there to help take your game to the bloody next level. It's got a chessboard shaped like London, and the pieces obviously resemble different pints. London Pride, Foster's, Guinness, Strongbow Dark Fruit, your choice. It's got a chess clock that runs on Greenwich Mean Time. Accessories include a tiny football for your time in between big matches, and a yellow card to be used when your opponent makes an illegal move during them. It even comes with a full kit of your favorite Premier League team for an extra 200 pounds. What doesn't it have? The ability to let you take it easy on your rivals, Think Man City vs. Man United in recent years. Pawn e4, bishop c4, queen f3, queen takes pawn f7, checkmate. The new way to play the old game, isn't it? With checkmate. Purchase yours today, yeah? In it? Is it so so uh, clarity here, it's it is it's a chess game. It, it's chess, but with accessories, or am I am I missing the mark on this? Checkmate is the British starter kit. Got it. That's there to help take your chess game. Got it. To the bloody next level. Nice. Okay. So, so it's it's your checkmate. It's, it's your mate <laughs> for chess. It's your mate for chess, mate. Got, okay. Got, uh, hear that. Hear that. Um. Uh. And, and it and it ranges. Here's the other the thing I was trying to pick up. It ranges in price from, uh, from from, like maybe a hundred to three hundred. Or if the low end 100 is premium, okay, 100, okay, you okay, probably okay. get a couple of extra accessories. I think the lowest end is 50. So 50 pounds, 50 yep. simple pounds out of your pocket will get you in a very nicely packaged kit, a chessboard shaped like London, pieces that resemble different pints, and you can customize. You can choose whether you want your pieces to resemble London Pride, Foster's, mm-hmm. Guinness, Strongbow Dark Fruit, your choice, mm. as they said and a chess clock that runs on Greenwich Mean Time. Mm. So where else are you going to find that when you're smacking it against your opponent to help the time run down? Exactly. It's in Greenwich Mean Time. Right. Convenient. 
it, it helps in so, so many levels. Uh, London shape again. London is conveniently shaped precisely like a square, right? Precisely. Oh, that's amazing. That's incredible. Okay. Okay. What a coincidence. Look, I like the idea. I think Checkmate's on, on, on the right path, but I think footy fellows can make this game just a little bit better. Instead of just having pint glass shaped pieces, let's get some real pint glasses on that board and they're full of your favorite favorite beverage doesn't matter what it is and then if you lose that piece drink the beverage and it's just a nice, it's a nice way to you know enjoy some company with a competitor and uh have some fun as well a little added dimension to to chess we might be able to actually pitch checkmate on that idea as a partnership because i think that's a fun idea and maybe it's something they take on as using the checkmate kit People purchase the starter kit. On the back, there's a QR code. You scan the QR code. It's us three, our faces, nice. speaking directly to you. Right. And it, Or it's just icy, and you explain that game, the drinking game you just explained, because that seems pretty fun. And we have really thick English accents. Heavy. Very heavy. Super heavy. Heavy. Super heavy. Yeah. In yeah. <laughs> If they paid me a lot more for this ad read, they paid us a lot more. I mean, I know I pocketed most of this one. Yeah. That's, that's kind of on me. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I would have done it in a heavier accent. But we have our rates right. and they have their dollar amount. Right. They, they what knew what is. they were buying. They yeah. knew what they were getting. They knew what they were missing. I'd hope. I'd like to think so. You think? You think? Isn't it? I told him you want pay me 50 quid for this read, isn't it? Then I'm not going to be a mate to check mate. All right. <laughs> I'll read it, but I'm not your mate. Check off, mate. That's what I said to him. Yeah. Yeah. Check off. Check off, mate. Check off. It's bloody stupid. Bloody stupid on a Tuesday. So yeah, anyways, if you've been playing chess, I know there's been a lot of chess going around this year. We've caught in the bug a little bit. Then you probably want to check out Checkmate because they've got the starter kit to fill your wildest dreams, yeah? Oh, yeah. Let's get into the FA, <laughs> Let's get into the FA Cup. What is the FA Cup? Where does it even come from? What are the origins of the FA Cup? Icy, you want to kick us off there? Let's talk a little FA Cup history. We'll hop into, I'll try to keep this short, short and sweet. Known as the greatest club competition the world over before the inception of the Champions League, the FA Cup, known as the Football Association Challenge Cup, is the oldest existing football competition it is, the, it is the oldest among all tournaments, as well as all leagues that still exist today. The first edition was played in the 1871-72 season, and the FA Cup has been held once a year since, with exceptions for World War I and World War II. The Cup started as a way to cook up interest in the national game by a newly founded association making its way in the world of football. The FA Cup was once the biggest sport event in the world. The final that was played at Crystal Palace in 1913 had 121,000 people in attendance, a world record at the time. In 1923, attendance was even bigger, rumored to have been around 200,000 people. The competition is dominated by English teams, but other British countries have been represented. Queen's Park and the Glasgow Rangers represented Scotland. Cardiff City became the first Welsh side to win the tournament in 1927, and a few Northern Ireland teams uh, spread out as well. The FA Cup final, for many, is associated with Wembley Stadium, 
This has been the venue for the final since 1924. And brief snippet, moment in history for the FA Cup. Uh, the FA Cup semifinal, uh, this is a little bit of tragedy, a little tragic history. Uh, FA Cup semifinal in 1989, Liverpool faced Nottingham Forest at Hillsborough because of overcrowded terraces. 96 Liverpool fans lost their life in what is the largest stadium disaster in English history. I shout this out because some, maybe it's just me, wonder what the 96 means on some of the kit wear that Liverpool sells. And it represents the 96 fan lives that were lost in this tragic event. So there's a quick rundown of FA Cup history. What a storied, storied cup. We don't really get those in America because... I guess baseball is probably the oldest sport that's that's been practiced here, but the FA Cup goes way back in England, huh? Yeah, they in an article I read, they compared it to the Super Bowl of uh, of England. It used to be, it's lost its prominence. Yeah, it sounds like with the the advent of Champions League's popularity, it's 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 dipped a little bit, but uh, it's it clearly had such a um, historic background and, and resonance with the the English league system and, and the fans there's there's something a little more deep there um are there any notable stats that can help color in the excitement of this league and impact a couple of stats who has been winning the fa cup you're probably wondering given how long it's been around arsenal actually has the most wins of all t- of all time with 14 wow so as much crap as people give arsenal fans these days for their performance this year they can proudly say they've won the most FA Cups of all time. And it's actually spread pretty well over the course of history. So they won a bunch in between 1927 and 1936. They won four times. They won a couple in the 1950s, a couple in the 1970s, actually four in the 1970s, also in the 1990s, and then 2001, 2002, 2003, 2005. So four in five years. And then also... Another four in six years, 2014, 15, 17, and 2020. So they've kind of dominated this this competition at different periods throughout history, which is impressive. In terms of individual players, Ashley Cole has won it the most times ever by a player. He's won it seven times, three with Arsenal, three with Chelsea. And because of the nature of the competition, there's some seriously lopsided games. You have teams from any range of leagues in England able to play each other. And the biggest ever win in the FA Cup is 26 to 0, but it was back in 1887. Hmm. Uh, Preston North End over Hyde. I remember watching that game right. and just shutting the television off at halftime, thinking, right. there's no way they come back. Right. You know? Right. This right. one. Yeah. There's just no shot. Did anyone, did anyone challenge you um, and say, what is that thing that you just touched? What? Is that a tele? What is that? A TV? Yeah, I said, I said, oh, don't worry about it. I'm working on this. Like right. this is a side hustle for me at this point. This is a side project to the mines. Right, right. Okay. So yeah, very unique because most people were streaming on their laptops at that point. <laughs> I don't know what this TV thing is. Most people had Peacock, but they were like, "What's a television?" <laughs> David, the other the other quick color I'll add is that David versus Goliath does happen in the FA Cup, not as often which is kind of what you'd expect. But Luton Town had an away victory over Premier League's Norwich City in the 2012-2013 fourth round proper. This was the first defeat of a top-flight team by non-league opposition since 1989, so it doesn't happen too often. 
but non-league teams, meaning they're in the 6th through 10th divisions in England, have won in the past, not the FA Cup, just individual games against the top flight teams. Uh, Yeoville Town holds the record for most victories over league opposition as a non-league team, having recorded 20 wins Mm. throughout the years, which is pretty crazy. And teams actually winning the FA Cup that are not in the Premier League. It's only ever been teams in the second flight, whatever that's been called over the years, but we have had eight teams that have won the FA Cup that are not in the Premier League at the time of winning the FA Cup. So anyone can win. Uh, There's 735 total games in the FA Cup from qualifying competition all the way to the final. So pretty insane. Overall, so many teams are involved, which makes it so unique and impressive. And I feel like that's the main takeaway is just, wow, the FA Cup, both football in Britain has so many teams, so many flights, and the FA Cup actually brings them all together to play each other, which makes it such a powerful and inspiring and hopeful competition for fans of all these clubs of all these levels and Arsenal owns the FA Cup. Those are my two main takeaways. You just, it felt like in underlining those stats, um, how much of a dream this kind of competition is. It, it almost made me think back to, I'm trying to think of what tournaments in particular, um, two things, I guess it makes me think of back in like middle school, uh, we would have a, a tournament called the seeding tournament where you would have, you know, the top hundred teams in Illinois back when there were that many teams, it kind of dwindles down when you get into high school and stuff. But in middle school, I remember our team was like 40th or something with a local Chicago team. And we'd go to this tournament and think, you know, Hey, if we go on a run, we could jump all the way to the top 10 or something. And then, you know, eventually if you had a good first half of the tournament, you might bump up and play teams in the top 20 and then get blown out or something and come back to reality. <laughs> Um, and, and the other thing I was thinking of was high school, you know, playing for a small private school, um, going to a tournament and making it a little further. And you're suddenly playing against teams that are, um, you know, triple a AAA versus single a teams and thinking, Whoa, we might actually make a run here. And then, and then you play against your Nequa valleys or your lions townships, these massive schools here. And they just, they trounce you. So there's, there's a fun aspect of, of the dream. And the reality of playing a team that you know is objectively a more proven team. Should we be playing the FA Cup this year? What other tough questions do you have for us and our listeners about the FA Cup, Jones? It's a great question. I think uh, one thing that I, I want to throw your ways, fellas, is now after we've evaluated just how story to history the FA Cup is, given the current climate... Um, does keeping the FA Cup running or or having the FA Cup run at all in this 2021 season, does that make the most sense? Is it a mistake? I think there are a couple factors that um, we need to evaluate to help understand whether or not having a competition like the FA Cup right now makes the most sense. First factor is schedule congestion. Do the, due to the extended 2019-2020 season, this current season started late, objectively, for all teams involved. Um, and with the 2020 Euros pushed into 2021, it's also forced the end of the season not to be elongated, but rather condensed back to the normal timeline, which inevitably means that you have uh, the same amount of games played in significantly less time, which is proving slightly problematic with EPL teams who are also competing in European competitions like Champions League or Europa League. Um, Now, while playing in those amount of games doesn't necessarily uh, 
create the most hospitable timelines for players to get into into ready form. Most most significantly, it impacts players' health and wellness. Um, and one component of that is muscle injuries. We've seen already this season that there's been an uptick. Uh, back in November, there was a 45% increase in um, soft tissue muscle injuries that had taken place, largely due to a lack of prep time or overuse and um, stress. The other component to physical well-being of these players and congestion uh, is the wild card that is COVID, which has been adding an uh, unprecedented level of unpredictability to match day lineups and genuine danger to players and coaches' health and wellness. Um, perhaps it's annoying for just fantasy managers, not knowing who they can trust to stay on their bench. Uh, but more critically, these players and their families are constantly being exposed more and more to potential contraction and the greater amount of fixture congestion uh, due to the uh, higher amount of fixture congestion and travel. Um, and lastly, and, and perhaps the most significant portion here is uh, the impact of financial um, bottom lines across the Prem and all other league and non-league teams. Going into this season, just over 45% of teams across all English, uh, of all English top four leagues were concerned about their financial health. For reference, going into 2019, that number was only 21%, and the year prior, it was just 12 With significant financial um, issues at hand, these teams are relying on their TV viewership to help drive a large source of their revenue. Um, and for instance, when you look at the Tottenham versus Marina AFC game, uh, you see that Marine AFC, who's been suffering dramatically due to financial woes, was able to drive ticket sales based on virtual buy-ins from um, Tottenham fans who are willing to help contribute. Kind fans. Kind, kind Tottenham fans. Um, but in the end, um, stretching teams and forcing them to travel and make sure that their stadiums are up to uh, up to spec um, and and forcing players out is um, is putting teams in a compromised position are they balancing their finances over their their own team players knowing that knowing congestion covid and finances are all key factors here gentlemen I'm curious do you guys believe that the FA Cup is a worthwhile competition to maintain this season, or should it have been foregone, foregone, much like it was during World War One and World War Two, other significant, dramatic historical events um, this year? Ice. After looking at the history, what was your first impact or first thought? Yeah, as you were talking, my first thought was, look, they've been keeping this going every year since. When it started in 71, 72, 1871, 72, uh, except for World War One and World War II. And I thought to myself, a global pandemic does sound like a, a, a fair reason to perhaps not have the cup. But, you know, if game, soccer games are still happening, World War One and World War Two, people were you know, being called into to duty to fight for their country. People were you know, tons of people are dying. It was a whole global, uh, definitely European mobilization effort. Pandemic, you know, doesn't really have, although it is, uh, you know, a big mobilization effort. Soccer is still being played. 
basically what this where I think is we the three of us and most people I think are a little biased toward the big the big teams uh, in the prem the top of the table teams and you know what for them this isn't a huge deal I think they're playing in it because it's happening and you know it's a trophy at the end of the day but it's not super it's not at the top of their priority list what basically what I'm saying is the FA Cup should happen this year. I think it's totally fine. I argue that lower lower tier teams don't have the congestion. And this is I may be wrong here, but they don't have the same level of congestion as some of the top teams who play in Champions League and, and whatnot. So if the top tier teams who obviously make the most noise in the media are complaining, want to cancel, to just drop out. I think it's good for the lower teams to have this tournament to fight for this historical cup trophy. It means a lot to those clubs, especially if it'd be their first win. So I am a fan of keep the cup going. It should happen this year. Um, And if the big teams, the big noisy complainers don't like it, drop out. I think, I think it means a lot for the lower teams. So that's, that's where I stand. I agree with you. I see uh, maybe maybe not as directly on that last piece. I just haven't thought about that part enough. But the idea that if they're playing soccer games at all this year in the world and that's dictated to be okay, then I think you have the FA Cup. Because the same health and safety regulations, of course, there's a lot more teams traveling. There are other issues. But for those lower level clubs, for all of the fans and hope and magic and everything that it brings for these clubs, for these players agreed mostly for the lower level clubs it's it's worth it and it's such a the idea of the competition i think is so much so unique like i was saying before to any other competition in the world even the premier league and other cups in in england because it literally involves everyone that if you're going to play soccer at all if you're going to play the premier league and you dictate that that's okay that's acceptable i think it, it makes sense to to have it which which they're doing and they're TV, you know, the smaller clubs are a lot of them are able to stay afloat because of things like this and because of the TV revenue. And that's not to say it's not causing more more COVID and health issues, which is super real and you have to evaluate fairly. But that's the reality of the situation right now. And do you think, Eli, that perhaps other competitions should be put on the chopping block instead of the FA Cup? Or are we good at status quo? Yeah, I think we're good at status quo. I would argue Carabao Cup. I mean, granted, we haven't talked about its history and what, what, where, how it came about. Um, but it seems like it's fair to put on the chopping block. Could be for you're, another discussion. But you're telling me that energy drink insert energy drink cup name here is not worthwhile. All right, hot take. Hot take. Favorites for this year's FA Cup: Man City leads the way, and then at almost. Two to one of those odds, two, half the chance of winning is then Chelsea, Tottenham, Man U, Liverpool, that group of squads. So end of the day, it's probably going to be a Premier League team. It has been for almost every single year of the FA Cup for these hundreds of years, except eight times. And especially now, the top teams have gotten better and better. And you can't really see any other team aside from Premier League's winning. But there are so many rounds of excitement and upsets and teams like Marine AFC and teams like, uh, not Brentford, who beat Leeds today? 
Uh, Birmingham. Birmingham. Teams like Birmingham. Uh, Crawley. Crawley beat Leeds. Oh, Crawley. Um, that can just make so much magic, and it means so much to the players. You can see it, see it in them. So, got to keep following the FA Cup. We'll try to keep posting, keeping you informed on the FA Cup, especially as it gets further along, or some of these exciting, fun upsets, fun teams in the lower leagues. We're going to head into our critically acclaimed, famous, infamous over-under to round out today's pod. We sure are. And for today's over-under, we're doing date night. Now, I want you two to get you know, use your imagination. We're not talking COVID. This is no pandemic date night. So uh, who wants to start? Doesn't matter who starts. We'll pick Jones. All right, Jones, over-underrated, going to a nice fancy restaurant. Going to a nice fancy restaurant is almost always overrated. I think uh, it depends on how you you know evaluate time and money and love and all that good stuff. But I do genuinely believe what makes for a good date is uh, the um, the relationship between you two and uh, the your source of entertainment. If the entertainment is fancy food and that's what you enjoy, the pageantry of that, awesome. But uh, I'd say nine times out of ten, that magic comes from um, uh, other sources other than the um, fancy meal put in front of you. Ah, uh, Jones is melting some hearts out here. All right, Eli. Especially, especially, I will say, if the the meal is tiny, that pisses me off. <laughs> if they say they're a fancy restaurant, but by fancy they mean tiny meals, it's extra overrated. Sorry, go ahead, I see. Fair, 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 fair. All right, Eli, going to a movie theater to see a movie. Wow, okay. And it's tough to remove the the pandemic quarantine lens on this one going to a movie theater. I'd also say overrated. I'm probably with Jones. I won't say it as eloquently, but the idea that you can, especially these days find movies pretty much anywhere online for pretty much free all the time, uh, makes the movie theater experience one that is nice every once in a while, but in general is overrated. All right. Good take. All right. Jonesy going on a walk in the park. Um, that is, that is, uh, it is, uh, it's rated. All right. It's rated. Um, have you ever actually been in a walk in a, in a park? Do you know what a walk I'm or a park is? I, I, I know what walking, walking in the park. Look, I've definitely done that before. And it is a thing that has happened uh, many a time, and it's what you would, what you imagine it, it is, and that's why I rate it as such. It's it's what it is, and that's how it goes. <clears throat> All right, lovely. All right, Eli, ice skating. Maybe this is more catered to us Midwestern folk, but ice skating. I like ice skating. I think it's underrated as you get older. It's an inverse relationship where as you get older, ice skating is more underrated because you probably do it less unless you're either a hockey player or you live next to a lake in Minnesota. I of which I'm neither. And so for me personally, it is it is underrated. Uh, it's, it's just nice. It's nice to get out on the rink, especially if you know how just a little bit, there's no pressure, but you can just skate around in a circle for 20 minutes, kind of laugh, watch people fall over and it's a grand old time. All right. Love it. All right. A couple more. Jones, Going to get ice cream. Going to get get ice cream is without a doubt the most underrated. Um, uh, it 
it's a great way to learn a lot about each other. Um, if not, it's, it, it, let me put it this way. It's great for whatever end of the spectrum you are in your relationship. If it's like a first date kind of thing, it's great. You're learning about each other's flavors, what you like, what you dislike, why you like those things. Um, it allows you to consume something. So if you have that down awkward time where you're not saying anything, you're too busy eating. You can't do anything. Other end of the spectrum, if you guys have been together forever, um, going to get ice cream is just a lovely, enchanting way to get a nice treat that will help stymie any um, anger that you guys may have between yourselves um, and, and quite literally cool you off. So extremely underrated. Love it. All right, last one. Eli, I already know where you're going to go with this one, but you know, it just happened to come to come to you. Trip so. to Trader Joe's. Trip to Trader Joe's. Is that what it was? Trip to Trader Joe's. No, or we're making pasta, pesto pasta. <laughs> It is uh, going on on an organized event such as apple picking, pumpkin patch, stuff like that. Maybe, well, yeah, the easy answer is underrated. I'm trying to think of a way to make it, to push it to rated, to be fair to all our listeners so that I don't just sell out, if you know what I mean. (laughs) All right, fine. You convinced me. I'll say underrated. It's a fun experience. It's any experiential stuff, which is the theme of this this Q&A here is that the ice cream, the walk in the park, I know what it is. Max doesn't. That's another episode topic. I know. I've totally, I did that last year. (laughs) Yeah. You've done it. You've never, like, you don't even know what it is, though, but you've probably done it. I've I've seen it. Yeah. You've definitely done apple picking, though. What's, uh... All right. We'll talk about that after. It's It's probably underrated. It's probably underrated. It is lovely. It's one of those things you don't do too often unless you live next to an apple orchard. In which case you're lucky and you probably say it's overrated, but then again, I don't. Okay, you got me. I don't live next to an apple orchard. I don't play hockey. I don't live next to an ice rink in Minnesota. So therefore, I would love a day of ice skating and apple picking and pumpkin pie making. But you do live next to a Baskin Robbins, which we can go to after this. That's why I didn't include the ice cream piece. (laughs) Okay, understandable. All right, thank you, lads. That's your over-under date night. Great topic. Great questions. Del- have have del- you been thinking through a date night? Any combination of those? Maybe like two or three that you're trying to wield into a specific date night in the future for you and Maddie? Um, you know, they're all within the realm of possibility once we can start doing stuff. But given that that's still a few months out, eh, I'm not. I'm not planning at this point in time. Uh, such such activities. But the ice cream we both love. We love sweets, so that's always on the table easy to take out easy to take out yeah the restaurant piece gets me fired up the small meals for real that 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 gets me fired up when you go to a fancy restaurant and because it's fancy it's super pricey and then you get this tiny little dish sure it's tasty for a bite and then it's gone yeah you know so i want if there's anyone out there that genuinely enjoys that like really enjoys it not just saying that i want you to call in next time we're recording yep and let's have it you know, I think there's something to be said of going to a, a less fancy, maybe more low key spot and getting a ton of food and then both kind of being in a stupor after being so full and just kind of going through the pain of being so full together. It, it, it really brings people closer together. Like, oh, I ate so much. My, you know, this food. <laughs> I think I think it's uh, folks listening out there. Yeah, just keep it in mind. It's well said. It's very true. The good thing is that people hopefully are never too full of the Footy Fellas pod. And if you're still listening, then you're definitely not too full of this episode. However, sadly, it's coming to an end. 
We will be back next week. As always, we got a couple more fun stat-themed episodes. If that's something that scratches an itch or you're just curious, people have been talking about it a lot more lately in the world of soccer and analytics. And we'll, we'll have an interview coming up in the next couple of episodes there. So keep listening. Check us out on social, putting out a lot of fun content. And we love and appreciate you. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. See you next week.